Hi guys, I don't normally run ads on this show, but this is the family business, luggagewarehouse.co.za. My dad, my brother, my stepbrother, my uncle have all worked for Luggage Warehouse directly, and I've done freelance brand strategy for them for years now. So it supports the whole family. It supports this show indirectly. So if you're looking for luggage, accessories, uh, handbags, and fashion stuff, even you can go to luggagewarehouse.co.za. And there are two products that I want to pull out for you here. Number one being Builderset, which allows you to create your own combination of large, small, medium, check-in, hand luggage, all that stuff. And it gives you a discount for each additional bag you buy up to a certain limit, I think. But you can get great discounts on big collections of big luggage. So if you're thinking of immigrating, it's the perfect way to kind of gear up for that. And the second thing I want to pull out is Luggage Glove, which is a protective sleeve that my dad invented. My brother has kind of perfected over the years. It's a thick 3D fabric mesh sleeve that pulls over your um, over your luggage and then locks closed. It's got a TSA lock. It's got holes for the handles, so it's quite convenient. It's not like single-use plastic wraps because you don't have to cut open a hole in the plastic to use the handle you can take it off easily it's got a combination lock and it's much more sustainable because you're not just murdering turtles with single-use plastic uh, but it makes the bag much more difficult to get into and it protects it from bumps and scrapes and if you are emigrating then those are two important things because you might be carrying actual valuables in your check-in luggage and because they're going to be heavy and you might be going a long distance they can pick up some major damage so luggage gloves uh, do a great job of protecting your luggage in the long term that's it for my pitch, luggagewarehouse.co.za. There's a link in the show notes. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the South African Expats podcast. This is Jonathan Vanka, your host. I uh, want to start with a little upfront. We're up to 10 episodes now, and I just wanted to chat a little bit about myself. I realized that you might not know much about me and why I'm making this podcast. So there is a little bit of an upfront here where I talk about the podcast, its progress, and what I'm hoping to achieve with it. Uh, you can skip ahead to the episode itself by jumping to 4 minutes 26, and that'll let you just get straight into the, the interview with Jason. But if you are interested in hearing me yak a little bit, about uh, purpose and so on, then just stick around. So why am I here? What am I making this show for? Well, the truth is that I'm a, a podcast producer, so I do this for a living. I've got a couple of professional uh, podcasts that I make for other people and brands. But more than that, uh, this podcast is very personal for me because I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm 40 years old. And after the KZN riots and everything else that's been going on for years in South Africa, I've watched my friends leave the country and move overseas. And I've been on the fence. I've been that that person who thinks about moving. I've actually moved once before. I, I immigrated to Barcelona. I was going to live in, in Spain. I spent seven months there. I unfortunately, or fortunately, if you will, uh, met my wife two weeks before leaving South Africa Moved to Spain, hated the job, loved the, the city, loved the country, but hated my job. Didn't have much uh, scope for finding a new job. And my now wife came and visited me and kind of convinced me to come home. And, and now we've been married for, uh, for a while. <laughs> so it didn't work out for me that time. But, you know, that was 2017. So now in 2021... Uh, I'm looking at it again. I'm thinking again about the future and about South Africa and about my child, you know, my son's future in this country. And I'm doing the research. So this podcast is a way for me to talk to people who've moved overseas 
uh, find out about different destinations, uh, find out about the process, how to simplify it, how to make it easier, and uh, hopefully share all that knowledge with you guys as well. And full disclosure, I am hoping to monetize the show in some way. I am creating a list of, of partners, people that I've interviewed, people that I've talked to, some people that I've had personal experience with, their companies and how they work. I am hoping to bring some sponsors onto the show to uh, create affiliate links for, for partner companies that I recommend. Obviously, if I'm not immigrating, I haven't used these services personally. Some of my friends have. I've had good interactions with them in, in interviews and conversations. So that's good enough for me to at least go, cool, give these guys a try. And if they don't work out, if uh, my audience has a has a bad experience with them, then they're more than welcome to get in touch with me and I'll find, uh, I'll look for a new partner. And it does seem that the majority of companies working in the immigration industry are trustworthy because I don't think they'd be around very long if they were uh, not helping people get overseas. So... I, uh, I hope that you get some value out of this. And if you do, awesome. Uh, let me know if there's any way you can get more value out of it. If you find certain parts of the interviews I do are uh, redundant or pointless or a little bit wishy-washy or there are ideas that I, I haven't had that, that you think I should uh, do, then just drop me a message on the, the website messaging button thing. Uh, you can leave a voice note. Or you can go to LinkedIn and you can message me there and we can have a conversation. Uh, and I'm more than happy to to take some feedback, take some ideas and try and improve the show uh, every way that I can. I am also working on a custom-made website for the show. So you'll be able to search episodes more easily. You'll be able to download uh, some content I'll make, you know, the, the things I'm mo hearing most from different people in different places. And uh, hopefully I'll organize a newsletter at some point and basically add as much value as I can in any way possible to the whole deliberation process of whether you're going to immigrate or not. I hope you've enjoyed it thus far. I've got a lot more content planned. Uh, Brisbane, Estonia, uh, Vancouver. I want to talk to pet immigration experts. There's a lot of different experts that I want to chat to as well. So yeah, I hope you'll stick with me. But now let's get on to the show. Today I'm interviewing Jason Guile, who is a incredibly talented musician. He's a singer, he's a guitarist, and he has just moved to Dublin, Ireland about a year ago. This is his music playing in the background right now. And although he moved to Ireland under the shadow of the pandemic and he hasn't been able to work very much and there's been associated financial struggles with that, I think it's a great interview. He really paints a beautiful picture of Ireland, its people and the, the atmosphere there that feels kind of as idyllic as you would imagine it would be. So without further ado, here's Jason Guile. Today we are looking towards Ireland where a South African has moved. His name is Jason Guile. He's got the name of the coolest character in Street Fighter, which is pretty great. And uh, he's currently living, where are you living in Ireland right now, Jason? Sonic Boom! Oh, I'm living in... I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we had to start there, didn't we? Yeah, I'm living in Dublin. Okay. And I'm going to take that step back again and go, Jason, thanks for being on the show, man. Welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm, I was saying to you earlier, I'm surprised we haven't met before. You are a Cape Tonian? I am a Cape Townian, born and bred, but then I moved to Johannesburg at the end of 2008 okay. and lived there until I moved here. And what makes your story very vital and very fresh for this podcast is that you only just moved to Ireland. You moved in 2020, right? In the middle of the pandemic. We moved in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, yes. Which month? Which makes for a very interesting story. Um, 
it was towards the end of July. So we landed 29th of July. Right. So we could say from August. Yeah, we, okay. We okay. So we'll we'll hopefully unpack that whole story as we go along. Uh, and we've just unpacked question two. Where did you move to and how long have you been there? So Dublin and you've been there since uh, July, August 2020. Yeah. So we moved to Dublin. Yeah, it was towards the middle of August. We stayed in the BNB um, originally to do our two weeks self-isolation. Right. To be away from people. So it was out in the farm in the countryside. So in South Africa ratcheted down to kind of level four lockdown at this point. And what was Ireland? No. How did you even move? What was the deal? No, 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 no. The borders were still closed. Okay. So how did you get there? We had to repatriate. So okay. After canceling our flights three times, we had to go the repatriation route, which ended up costing three times the price of normal plane tickets. Oh, wow. Okay. And... While doing this, we were still waiting for our refund on our on our previous tickets that we bought. Oh no! Okay, and is it uh, is it you or your wife who have an ancestral like a passport? We were lucky enough that both of us had Irish passports. Okay, so your so folks are from Ireland. Yeah, my 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 father's from Belfast, mm-hmm. and her great grandfather's from I think Port Arlington. Okay. So it it took a, a bit longer for her to get hers, but yeah, we, we both came over on Irish passports. So we had, we managed to bypass all that red tape and admin that one has to do with visas and and all that jazz. Wow. Okay. So you guys really, I mean, that's pushing the the, the big red button quite hard yes. to just go repatriate and and get out. Yeah. It. I, I think um, at the point at that point we didn't really have a choice. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't working because, as you, know, as you told the people, I'm, I'm a musician. And at that point, musicians weren't allowed to work. Right. So I had savings that, was, that were slowly being depleted right. because we had to live. So it was either get out now or never get out. Right. And you were in a situation where you had already, had you, by the time March came around, you'd already planned to leave since what, since how long ago before that? Well, I think we were originally looking at England four years prior to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my wife had lived, lived there before, and she wasn't terribly keen. And we've both never been to Ireland before, so we thought, "Why the hell not? Let's go! Let's go to Ireland." It is a land of music. If you're a musician, I mean, that's yeah, good reason. Trust in our tenacity and all that. So you you didn't have the opportunity to do a little a tourism visit to feel it out or anything like that. No. Okay. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad we didn't. Yeah, in a way, yeah, it's a bit daunting coming to a new country that you'd never been to and have, having to learn how things work here, um, how to get your PPS number. For, well, we can go into more detail about that a bit later. It's kind of like your, almost like your South African ID number equivalent sure. and things like that. But And I think people here kind of just expect you to know how to do all of these things. Sure, absolutely. Uh, just for, for context, um, how old are you in, you know, um, your wife, if she's willing to share that information, and uh, do you did you move with kids? Um, I'm 38. My wife's mm-hmm. 40. Um, we right. moved with her son. My unfortunately, right. my my kids are still in Johannesburg. Okay, so but I they, my wife mentioned this to me that you guys you guys have a couple of kids in Johannesburg who haven't joined you yet. Yes, but we are hoping to get them over as soon as possible. In the meantime, you've paved the way and you've you've sorted yourselves out and all that. Yeah, as far as we can, I, I think um, under under the current COVID climate, you know, we, we yeah, I think we've done okay. Yeah, geez, yeah, you guys have had a, a particularly 
you know, we moved house in the middle of the pandemic, but we didn't oh, move countries in the middle of the pandemic. Um, How did you handle your, your house viewing? We had closed the sale on the house months before. Okay. Because that the family that lived here uh, in this house were moving to the UK. They were they were immigrating. So there were a few months in between that and, and then the pandemic hit and we had to wait until lockdown level five ended. And in level four, we had to get police clearances and all that kind of thing. So we already kind of, uh, had the house, but we didn't get to move for um, a month or two extra. Jesus, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've heard expensive some exercise. Stories. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I've heard some horror yeah. stories of people trying to trying to leave South Africa. They had sold their houses, sold all their stuff, and then suddenly they weren't allowed to board a plane for for months, and they've had to live on the floor of someone's flat. Jeez, that's crazy, crazy times. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get to your experience once you landed. Um, <laughs> So you you picked Ireland because you thought it might be a lock and not the UK and you you know you haven't um did you do kind of a, a list ticking exercise where you compared Wales or Scotland or Ireland or were you just pretty much ah, like the sound of Ireland let's go there It was comparing England to Ireland Okay I don't think we even looked at Wales or Scotland to be honest and I think that the scariest part was is that we didn't know anyone here Right. And we knew plenty of people in, in England. We've we've got friends there. We've got family there. But mm. but no, we chose Ireland. <laughs> uh, what what was it about Ireland that that bested the UK? I mean, besides the fact that your your wife's not a fan of the UK. Oh, I'm sorry, of England, <laughs> the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more London that she's not a fan <laughs> of, to be honest. But yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I think it definitely the views, the coastline. Um, it just looked really pretty. Mm. It looked really pretty. And yeah. also um, from a musician's perspective, from, from my perspective, there was a lot of work here. Uh, and there, right. there still is a lot of work when we're allowed to work. I see. Which, which is nice, though. Like, they've opened up um, live music at weddings in the north, in Northern Ireland. Okay. So I am doing the occasional gig up there. So there is something. Is Irish culture as music-centric as the stereotype holds? Um, yes. Actually, I, I would say so. They they're very supportive of the local music scene, which is which is great, which you don't get as much of in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and they're still big into the traditional Irish bands and the Irish pop music, and they've got a they've got a really nice support structure. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've heard from a few other people in in Ireland that you can walk into a bar and there's going to be a band playing yes. something. You know. Absolutely. Uh, it's just not right now, but usually yes. Right. <laughs> so when you decided to move or when you decided to repatriate and with the question of, of your two kids being momentarily left behind and all that did your did your family and friends understand did they support the decision was there some general sense of support there was a massive support structure mm-hmm. there was a massive sense of support which was which was great from everyone's side i think they knew why we were doing it um and they knew that it, it opened up a new avenue for them especially for my two girls right that will get them into schools here. We can get get them access to passports. We can get all that you know, all that stuff sorted out for sure. them, which will be great for them, you know. Right. And why did you decide to uh, to leave? I mean, if there was no pandemic, if there was no repatriation and all that, what, what was the, the initial? What was the, the decision making process? Besides the obvious um, crime and economic problems that um, South Africa does have. We just wanted to slow the pace of life down, especially living in Joburg. I found like you were 
living to work instead of working to live. Right. I think people and companies expect too much of you. They expect you to be on call all the time. Mm. We're here. You have your work hours, you, but no one expects you to do more. Right. And they pay you appropriately here as well. Okay, so yeah, pretty much you've got a, the standard South African immigrant list of reasons, opportunity um, for you, for your kids. I think you've specifically, the South African music scene is a tough one. Yeah. And uh, sounds like the Irish music scene's got a lot more opportunity in it. Yeah. It uh, does. What does your wife do out of interest? She works as an accounts administrator for an international bakery. Okay. So it's quite a, okay. quite a cool job. And it's completely different to mine, which is great. And I imagine that job's fully remote. It's fully remote, but she is going back into the office uh, from next month, mm-hmm. okay. three three days a week, because I think they're seeing how well people are working from home. So right. it's not it's not really a necessity for people to be in the office every day. Sure. So they're going back to that whole the mixed thing, which a lot of companies yeah. are. Okay. I think that, I think that, that that works. I think it'll work well. Mm. So you've got a mix of the just be able to work at home by yourself and then but still the social aspect that I think a lot of people have missed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I would do I would go for three days at home and two at the office or even four days at home and one in the office. But yeah. uh, for that social, as you say, just Friday to have some drinks and, and get to know people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, that's what I really miss. As I always say, have a bit of crack. <laughs> have a bit have of a crack. Yeah. Boy, I did not have a bit of that. crack. I didn't get that at all when I first encountered that when someone <laughs> let's go have some crack. I was like, what? I'm sorry. I'm 19. <laughs> and uh, it turns out they weren't talking about cocaine. So, yeah. I don't know. Were you, were you disappointed or um, or relieved? I was very relieved. Uh, I think that <laughs> co- crack cocaine would have been a little bit of a hard entry into the drug scene for me. <laughs> so when you decided to move, did you get any help or did you guys do it all yourself? We did the majority of our majority of it ourselves i did get a little help from my parents especially because i wasn't working mm-hmm. they did help but i am paying them back right um general advice is to come over with at least six months worth of money right yeah i think we came over with two with, okay. <laughs> with two months and um just like well we have to make this work yeah and skated directly into a wall of pandemic so that doesn't yes. help right yeah. um that that's kind of the monetary situation but on the visa side did you have any assistance sorting out the the paperwork or did you or was that once you had your passports was that just a case of booking a flight and off you go no you don't need visas like if you've got a passport you've got a passport you're indigenous will work you know so irish irish passports eu you can work anywhere in europe right and did you uh leave everything behind considering the the whole repatriation thing or did you ship here's a funny story the day we left, we were still selling stuff off. We had auctioneers come to our house that morning to pick up the last of our stuff, to pick up some couches, to pick up TV and little furniture, bits and bits and bobs. So, yeah, we, we pretty much got rid of everything um, except for a few sentimental items, right. few paintings, things like that. And did you ship those in a, a like a section of a container? or? Yeah, we used seven seas for that. Okay, that's the second time I've heard yeah. them mentioned. Okay, interesting. So, okay, so before we get on to adjusting to a new life, let's talk about your story, which is that you decided to repatriate, you, you moved to Dublin, and now you're a, a musician who hasn't been able to work because of the pandemic. You moved to Ireland, and then you can't work because of the pandemic. So yes. tell me about your really rather rough landing. <laughs> well, funnily enough, when we landed, um, Ireland was coming out of lockdown. Mm. 
we were getting under 20 cases a day and it looked like things were, were moving forward. And, and I did have a few gigs lined yeah. up and I did those gigs and it was great. You know, I had, had some work coming in. It wasn't a lot because I just kind of started with the wedding company and all that, mm-hmm. but it was, we're, it was enough. And then we went into level five lockdown again. Right. So I got a job as a delivery driver for a grocery company. So you basically go out and do people shopping and you deliver to, to their houses. Right. You know, and it, it paid okay. That, that's just a little tangent. One thing about being here versus being in South Africa, you can do jobs like that mm. and make a decent salary. Right. You can make decent money, livable salary. Yeah. Which you can't really do back home. Yeah, I think there's a there's a new a service from Checkers, and now other supermarkets are picking it up. I mean, they call it Checkers Sixty, and it's essentially it's it's like Uber Eats for um, household goods and things like that. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's all that kind of that gig culture in South Africa, at least. I feel like it just pays you just enough to survive, and it's really not, you know, really doesn't give you the opportunity to to work your way up, to change your situation, to to save. You know? no. But I imagine the minimum wage in Ireland is pretty high. Minimum wage here is is, is very good. I, mean, I think it's, um, I could be wrong, but I think it's around between 10 and 11 euro an hour. That's good. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's good. So you worked as a delivery driver and then and then what's what's been happening since then? Well, and then I got a call from um, my old boss's son, mm-hmm. Mike McCulloch's uh, son, Bryn, mm-hmm. who offered me a job as a QA tester for a gaming development company based in the UK, I'd be working remotely mm-hmm. and it's not something I'd ever done before. And I, I made him aware of this. He said, no, don't worry, you've, you've played games before. Like, yes, I've played games before. Okay, so basically your job is to break the game. Right. And, and then report how you broke the game or look at other people's reports of how they broke the game and try to figure out how they break the, broke the game. Sure. So it's a cool job. It's a really, really cool job, and I, I'm so grateful for that. Right. It's, it's way better than delivering groceries. Sure. You guys are nearing um, coming out of lockdown, yeah? Well, there's there's talk of live music returning to at least weddings by the end of August in the Republic. Right. And it already has returned um, in the north. Obviously, I mean, with you going hitting the repatriation button, um that must have been stressful. Do you have any any tips for dealing with the stress of the process in any normal situation? Moving your entire life and your family is is stressful. Obviously, in this case, it was somewhat amplified by the what was going on in the world. But do you did you deal with the stress in any particular way? I think we both came a little bit unhinged once we'd settled, right? Because it was just put the one foot in front of the other and let's just get mm. get this done. Let's like just do all the steps and let's let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get settled. Let's get jobs. Let's get a place to stay. Let's get a car. Mm-hmm. Once we've got all that sorted, then we can actually think about what we've done. And then I think both of us had, we, we suffered from anxiety for about a month, month and a half after that. It was all this sort of PTSD, like almost, you know, a bit of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. From trying to achieve all this in a short space of time through all the, all the shit that was going on in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's classic emergency mode where you're just kind of dealing with everything as it comes. And then then when all of those immediate emergencies are over, you just sit and take a deep breath and then you just start break down crying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cry, can't sleep, everything. But even though you, you've gotten through that, now you're fine. You're fine now. But it's just you haven't actually processed it. And, uh... Have you dealt with it in any particular way? Do you meditate or therapy or just talking to each other or calling home to kind of um, 
stay in touch with people or how, how do you deal with it? We walk. Okay. We walk a lot. We walk a lot. And there's such lovely forests here. Right? So we go for long walks and it, it helps just to get out in the nature and yeah, listen to the new bird sounds because they've got different birds here and smell the different trees different tree smells and different lava smells and it's, it's lovely you know yeah i'm not a hippie but there's there's something to that you know there's Absolutely. something yeah i can't remember the term for it but there's a japanese the japanese concept of forest bathing is just a a glorified way of you know it's a hobby where you where you get out of the city and head into the forests and you just uh soak up all that nature and it's a it's a, it's a type of therapy for them you know yeah I get it. I, I totally understand that. Moving on to adjusting to your new life in Dublin, has mm. I mean, assuming you had any expectations about Dublin, has it met those expect- expectations? Um, I didn't have any expectations about Dublin, to be honest, because I'd never been here. I never, I, mm. I've never really spoken to people that live here up until fairly, um, like probably about a month before we we left. You know, mm-hmm. um, but. If I had expectations, it would have it definitely would have exceeded them. But again, we're on the outskirts of Dublin, so we're not living in the city centre. Right. Um, but it's lovely here. It's like pretty much suburbia. It's safe. Right. You can walk at night. You see little girls walking their dogs at ten o'clock at night. Sure. No, not a care in the world. There's no burglar bars. You know, there's it, it's it's a different life. It's a different world. So, sure. Yeah. So what else? I feel like we've segued into the best things about your new home. What else do you know about? <laughs> well, the, the expectations, now we can kind of segue into there because there weren't really any. So so between the safety and the uh, and the access to that sea of green that Ireland gives you yeah. the, the idea of, what are the other things you love about Ireland? I love the people here. Um, I find people extremely friendly and helpful. People tend to go out of their way to help you. So if you have you're having a problem with something, if you're at a if you're at a shop and you can't find something, and you ask the person behind the counter, look, where do I get this? Like, it's not here. And they'll they'll come out, they'll speak to you, they'll, they'll help you. They'll if they if they don't have it in stock, they'll make sure they can order from another store and like let you know exactly when you can come fetch it and you know, things like that. It's just it, people are decent. Hmm. You know, they they just decent human beings. I don't know if um, if it's like that in other European countries, mm-hmm. um, but I find people here are extremely friendly and extremely helpful, even if they're not trying to be your friend as such. You know, sure. They treat you like humans. They treat you like equals, unless you do right. something to really piss them off. You know, um, there's, the, there's the Irish temper, which I have yet to experience. <laughs> right. And are there uh, statistically more gingers per square kilometer than uh, the rest of the world that you've noticed? Not that I've noticed. Okay. To be honest, and that, that's something that did surprise me. I expected to see more gingers here. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And not that I've got anything against gingers. I think gingers are, are quite lovely. Some of my best friends and, are gingers. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How every um, ginger joke starts. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what, what do you dislike about the, uh, about the Irish experience? There's no sense of urgency. There's a sense of energy in South Africa that they lack in Ireland? Yes. Um, if you, again, if, if you make a call, let's say you want to get an insurance quote or something like that, uh, they'll take a while to get back to you. And but they're always very friendly about it. No, don't worry about it. We'll get back to you soon. And uh, if you like the bureaucratic thing where you're going to go apply for your 
your new driver's license or your new public service card. It's always, you know, it's, it's very chill. It's very relaxed. And I know that's kind of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I wanted a more a, a bit of a, a slower pace of life, but I think it's just something I need to adjust to because I'm used to Jobo where everything happens like this and sure. people are on your case. If it doesn't happen now. Sure. You've so, you've been there almost exactly a year. Did you have yeah. your anniversary just passed, or is it still? It's, it's yeah, it's just passed. Okay, great. Congratulations, first of all. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, and Guinness uh, Guinness on tap here is is way better than Guinness on tap in South Africa. Just I've so. heard that it's a totally different animal. <laughs> it is. Um, okay, so they they move at a slower pace. Uh, anything else? Um, that's about it, really. Yeah, How have you adjusted to um, the weather? Because that's a you know, a common complaint to the UK in general. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always struggled with the heat in South Africa, to be honest. So it's, I, I, I love the weather here. Uh, and it gets pretty, pretty warm here. Like two weeks ago, it hit 21, 22, mm-hmm. which I know in South Africa terms, that sounds like There's a uh, lot of people chuckling as they listen to this, right? Yeah, now. I know. Like <laughs> shaking their heads. <laughs> it sounds like a, a sort of okay spring day. Yeah. But 20, 21, 22 here is hot. I think it's got something to do with the level of ozone here or the hemisphere or something like that. It, it feels different. Sure. I think it's also the humidity here. There's a, like we get about yeah, 70 to 80% humidity on one of those days. Okay. I didn't know that. Interesting. So it's, it's, it's warm and you feel like you've stepped into this hot, wet blanket. I, I know if you've been to Durban, mm. you understand that feeling where you, you get out the shower and you feel like you've, you, you've been smothered by this hot, wet right. blanket. Right, right. Is it roughly comparable to England, to London, let's say, in terms of um, gloomy rain, or do you get more or less sunshine, would you say, in Ireland? I don't have a lot of experience with England, to be honest. My wife does, and she says we get more sunshine here, and I, I do tend to believe her. She's she's spent a lot of time in England. Um, okay. Yeah, and I think also in England, you especially London, you've got a lot of higher buildings. Mm. Which makes it feel like the sky is 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 closer to you, right? <laughs> if if that makes any sense, yeah, and, it does make you feel a little bit um, more shut in, I guess. Yeah, and here you don't get that. You don't have sky rises. Mm. Uh, it's very much old, like old village style. Even the Dublin city centre, it's old. It's not built up, right? Which is really nice. It, it's it's got a more quaint sort of cute feel than than London. What do you miss about South Africa? I miss my family. Mm-hmm. Not, not, nothing really else, to be honest. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> Look, maybe I haven't been away for long enough. Sure. To really miss anything else. Okay, so this is this is a difficult one to answer because of the um, tumultuous nature of your your income now with the pandemic and all that kind of thing. But when you're in South Africa, you you earned a certain amount of money and you just had had a certain amount of expenses. Yes. In Ireland, would you say that your buying power is increased, that you, you may pay more for things, but you earn commensurately more? It's interesting because groceries, things like day-to-day things, are cheaper here. Oh, They're wow. cheaper here than in South Africa. So if you do a weekly shopping, um, we were paying, for three of us in South Africa, we were paying close to 2,000 rand a week mm-hmm. on groceries we've got a teenager in the house so he yeah, he eats a lot um we're now paying around about 130 euro a week okay and we're getting more stuff yeah for that money yeah you get more for your money as far as groceries and day-to-day shopping goes rent on the other hand mm-hmm. is ridiculous okay. rent in dublin is stupid mm. um 
we're paying close to 2,000 euro a month for a two-bedroom flat. Okay, so that's somewhere in the region of 30,000 rand or something or more. Um, yeah, more. It's around, around about 30, 37, 36, oh, 37. Okay. Yeah, for a two-bedroom flat. I mean, it's it's not a bad flat. It's, it's a very nice flat, actually, but mm. um, it's not huge. Yeah. It's just your run-of-the-mall two-bedroom flat in a nice neighborhood. 36, 37 grand. Yeah. That'll... That'll get you quite a place to live in somewhere in South Africa. Dude, in, in, in Cape Town, you can get a decent place for that. In Joburg, you could get a, get a mansion. mansion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> hectic. But so do all of these things kind of balance out where you feel like that you're not, you, do you feel like you're going to be richer or poorer in Ireland? I feel like I'm going to be richer. I think not necessarily richer as such, but um, I'll be able to get more for my money. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm about to do more. Yeah. It's quite interesting. A conversation I had with my friends, Ed and Shelley in, in the UK, they, they live just outside London. And they also say that their money goes further, which is a strange thing to hear from someone paying you know, in pounds, in euros compared to rands. But uh, yeah, they also mentioned groceries that um, I don't know, 100 pounds, they'll get far more for their money than in South Africa, which is seems insane. To me. Yeah. It just works out like that. And also your earning potential here is much higher. You know, salaries are higher. Okay, so let's go on to the, the kind of quick fire questions here of rate your new yeah. home from one to 10 in the following quality of life categories. Number one mm. being healthcare. I, I don't really know, to be honest. I haven't um, needed healthcare. And is it, uh, is it subsidized quite heavily or what is the system with uh, social healthcare? It's not like the NHS. Right. Where with, with it's not like that. You do pay to go see doctors, you, but um, if you need emergency surgery mm. or anything like that, it's capped at I think it's five hundred euro for the year. So you 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 won't pay more than that. Yeah. Oh, I see. Sorry, you won't pay more. Yeah. You see, if this was South Africa, but five hundred euro for the year, that's what you get. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> that'd be <laughs> that'd be like yeah, the anesthetist coughing in your direction. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So healthcare pretty good. So um, there's a there's a cap on how much you would pay, which is great. Um, and the education. Education. This is the first time I've seen my stepson not stressed out during exams. Um, so far, the teachers have been lovely. Every the school's been lovely. So at the moment, right now, I'll give it a ten. Okay. Education has been incredible. And what is the the deal when it comes to primary, secondary, or tertiary uh, costs for schools? It's free. Um, it's free until you go to tertiary your tertiary education. Okay. Yes. Okay. But also, if you're an Irish citizen, you get a seriously re- reduced rate. Right. On your tertiary education. Okay. So not all schools are free, mm-hmm. but um, like he, he's at the educate. Yeah, I think it's educate together schools. Um, and most of the government schools are, are free, but it's not like government schools, like how we know government schools to be. They're kind of like private government schools. Yeah, yeah. I get the impression that in every country there is a thin layer of very expensive private schools, but yeah. the level of um, of first world general education is, I would say, um, commensurate with private school education here. And they've got about 12, 12 kids per class. So wow, you know, in amazing the, in the in the government school. Okay, that's great. Okay, so a 10 there. Uh, work opportunity? Work opportunity between a 9 and a 10. You, If you are willing to work, you'll get work. Yeah. Uh, and do you have you found that uh, being a South African, I mean, it's only been 
your your work has been interrupted and and short, but um, I'm getting a general sense that South Africans are somewhat valued for a high a strong work ethic. Yes, and I was listening to that um, that that one you did with uh, I think it was Ed and Shelley. Yes. Yeah, um, we they had some really good advice there where the people would would try convert their salaries what they were earning in rands to mm-hmm. pounds in that case or euros here and then go in at kind of that. Right. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at what other people are earning here, sort of in your field, and look for a ballpark there and go in at that. Right. Are there any particular? Uh, do you know of any resources when it comes to researching uh, salary expectations or anything like that? Edward did actually give some salary bans in his interview, but that is obviously London and the UK. I think you you can you you can them parallel them. Yeah, but um, if you look at, I think it's a Facebook group, South Africans moving to Ireland. They've they've actually got a website as well, mm-hmm. where they offer. A lot of information. I think, they, I think they've got something similar. I, I okay. didn't really look at that, to be honest, because uh, I, I knew what I was making um, with, with the wedding band. They told me you're ready. They're kind of like, this is what you get, and which is I was like, yes, I'll take that. <laughs> is is the name of the wedding band the wedding band? No, it's the. the That'd be a band. great name. It would be great. I don't know why anyone. There must be a that. thousand of them. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen any, but they they called the Bentley Boys. Okay. Yeah, the cool. Bentley Boys, but they they've won awards for best wedding band in Ireland, like oh, amazing. multiple okay. years running, and they've got a really good name. And um, my calendar is full when you know when I'm allowed to do the the gigs. You're looking at like four to five gigs a, a week, and I didn't realize how many people get married. <laughs> right during yeah. the week, it's like four to five weddings a week, and the, the population of Ireland is only like five million people. Right, you know? yeah, it's a it's a huge industry, and and you did you have to audition? Um, I have made I made a couple of promo videos that I stuck up online, mm-hmm. um, and the one of the guys in charge actually got hold of me while I was still in Johannesburg and wanted to know if I was interested. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for work. I'm very interested. I'm keen. Amazing. We had a had a Zoom interview and. Yeah, they offered me a contract. and So um, I didn't really have to audition, but I think I had a good online presence at the time when I was posting a lot of videos. I think that was kind of my audition. Right, okay. Uh, all right, so 1 to 10, weather. Weather. See, this is where people would differ. For me, the weather is an 8. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my wife, not so much. Maybe 3 or 4. Yeah. Right. She misses the sun. I don't particularly care for it right so well maybe uh i would suggest shelly's advice about getting a, a sad lamp <laughs> one of those uh, <laughs> which is a hilarious thing but yeah one of those lamps that replicates sunlight okay so eight for you three or four for shelly and then uh yeah. and next one is restaurants and food food here is incredible it's expensive mm. it's expensive but it's lovely you know if you do your burger king mcdonald's uh, that the fast food tastes the same as South Africa, except you pay four times the price. Right. But if you go eat at a curry place or a, like a nice fish and chip shop or somewhere that's not like a franchise mm-hmm. takeaway joint, the food's prepared brilliantly. Okay, amazing. It's Great. Incredible. The, the, the food's lovely. So that rate's very high. Great. Awesome. It's nice to hear because uh, it's kind of a trend coming out of the Northern European countries, the UK, et cetera, is that um, South African food is very good. In your case, it seems not so good that it overshadows what you're having in Ireland, which is great. No, 
like the quality of uh, I, I don't know if um, you have any vegan listeners so just those the vegan Neither listeners do I. Just, <laughs> just stick, stick <laughs> the quality of the beef and the dairy and mm. yeah, it's, it's really really superb I think it's also because islands are green and they've got a lot of a lot of uh, grazing land sure and a lot of food too mm. so they just let like they let them roam must be yeah uh, they must be relatively happy I imagine uh, uh, opportunity to travel I think it being um, in Europe and being part of the EU, hmm. um, you've got a, a lot of really great opportunity to travel. I think um, people here, especially in summer, they tend to go to Spain or go to Greece or go to Italy, and it's cheap. Sure, it's really, really cheap, especially like that, like southern Southern Europe, that that area. You know, it's it's very cheap to fly to. Right. And have you been able to ramble around Ireland itself at all, or have that has that been? Yeah, we've. I've I've driven around quite a bit, um, seen a little bit. Um, it's such a beautiful country. Describe the the landscapes to me. I mean, this is all stuff that I can look up on Instagram, but it's always going to be through an Instagram lens. What's your impression of the the geography? There's a lot of coastline, and there's a lot of cliffs. So you you're driving along, and then you suddenly go up this hill or mountain, and you have got these cliffs, and you look straight down to the coastline. It's it's absolutely stunning. Um, and then mm. you you drive through the, the farm areas and you've got these little narrow roads that you think are one lane, but they're actually two and the speed limit's 100 kilometers an hour. <laughs> People are flying past <laughs> it. And like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. <laughs> so um, it's very like coast, farm, and forest. I don't know. It, like if you, if you watch old movies, like uh, they're in Wales or they're in Ireland, but they're showing you the old, almost like medieval times. It looks like that. Like even the little villages look like that. They don't. They don't look like built-up towns. They're literally villages. Just on the question about shipping furniture and other items, you took a few personal items. Uh, you did move with a kid and a partner, um, so you didn't really have a lot of special considerations. You didn't move with pets, right? Ah, yes, we did. We moved with three cats. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> tell me about that. Um, that was another long story because at the, at the time as well, um, because of COVID. Um, Flights were just being cancelled. So they ended up staying in Johannesburg for a month, which was three weeks longer than they were supposed to be staying there. So, wow. But they eventually got on the flight. Um, With your folks or in a crate? In a crate. Oh, I wow. felt very sorry for them. Their little faces when we fetched them from the airport here. I don't think they believed it was us. Oh, shame, man. That's terrible. It must have been incredibly traumatic for them. You know, the, you know that sound that. Um, the, the the those trucks that bring the, the suitcases onto the airplane they're, they're like when they're reversing it's like all trucks they go beep 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 mm. beep yes yes and now yes. we've here we've got the rubbish trucks that that pick up the, the rubbish and the recycling mm -hmm. and they also make that sound and for the first two weeks they were here every time they heard those rubbish trucks they ran and hid in cupboards they I thought, oh wow <laughs> hectic shame a little bit traumatizing yeah. oh did you um use a service to yes. transport them uh, we use animals en route and how was the experience? The experience was good. I, I felt the frustration of the the person who was um, our contact who was who was moving them, because every time she had them booked on a flight, it would suddenly get cancelled, and uh, right. we freaking out as well because we we miss our we miss our babies and we want we mm. want to see them and we're worried about them and like, we obviously freaking out at her, and she's freaking out back at yeah, her like course. I can't do anything about it, you know, and I'm trying, I'm trying really hard. And, yeah, yeah, just so emotionally yeah. charged. But uh, she came through for us, you know, and she worked her ass off and she, you know, she did it. 
she got them here. Can you give me a rough idea of, of costs for moving on a per cat basis? Um, if you take into account the tighter tests um, mm -hmm. and the rabies shots and making sure all that was done in the right order, because it has to be done in the right order. If you did in the wrong order, then the cats can't come and they've got to go into quarantine. So uh, right. don't even ask me what the order is now. I can't remember. <laughs> but right. It had to be a very particular order. But it looked, uh, it was around about 11 grand a cat. So it's a lot, but it's also fairly reasonable as well, all things considering. Well, I mean, it's certainly more reasonable than some of the numbers I've heard about. Uh, maybe cats are less expensive than dogs as well. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's they are. Very possible. Um, lastly, what advice would you give people considering moving to your new home? Um, don't expect it to be like South Africa. I find a lot of people come here and they expect it to be like home, but not. And when things right. don't work the same, they freak out and they want to go home. You know, just expect the unexpected. Also, research your country. Research the country you're mm -hmm. going to go to. See what the what the culture is like. What what have you got to do? Look at um, look at insurance prices, car insurance prices, because that that gets a lot of people. Yeah, look at. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Just research everything. Don't just look at the areas. For example, in Zoe's case in Hampshire, she's the kind of type A person who put together a budget before she even got there. She knew what electricity would cost mm. her, what insurance would cost her, all those things. So she had a pre-moved to a degree. That It's a great way to do it. Don't just wing it. I would say to people thinking of moving to a new country, um, especially for the first year or two, live near a big city because mm. you'll get more job opportunities there. Sure. You know? Once you've secured your job, then great, go move out and pay less, pay, pay less rent. And if you don't have to commute, that's amazing. But especially when you're moving to somewhere that you don't know anyone, be near a big city because that's where your opportunity is going to be. Jason, thanks so much for, for sharing your time and your experience, man. It, it sounds like you're um, kind of still starting your journey in Ireland and I'd love to catch up in six months or a year once things have opened up and you're working full time and you can give me another kind of like a second stage view of your experience. I'd love to do that because it's at the moment, it's so difficult to talk about my experience here because most of it's been in lockdown. I'd love to do that. I'd love to give you a proper update once everything's open and things are things are working. Because yeah. it's going to be amazing. <laughs> well, hopefully soon. I mean, even on our side, we're getting closer to, uh, it feels like we're taking steps to people getting vaccinated and getting back to the new normal. And um, yeah, hopefully I'm, Ireland's got to be ahead of us on that game. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Europe is close to 70% of the adult population vaccinated. Wow. Um, and so we. That's amazing. That's, that's great. Cool, man. Thank you so much for the chat, dude. Appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks so much for having me on. Cool. I'll see you next time. See you later, man. Bye. Cheers. South African Expats is produced by Jonathan Vanka and brought to you by Ping Productions.